we're going over Rhodey's monumental home wins against Nichols and Alabama. Their upcoming four-game slate heading into the midst of this non-conference schedule. And we had some great ones last week. We have some great matchups for the upcoming weeks to come throughout the Power 5 and the A-10. We have it all here, all for you, on Ballin' with B-Show. Welcome to episode 5 of season 2. I'm Gavin B. Show with Ball with B. Show today, and we have a good one in store for you. Next Thursday, I will not be around in a place where I'll be on vacation in a place where there's no Wi Fi, so I cannot post a podcast. So we're going to combine the two, kind of have a, you know, longer podcast in store for you today. We're going to cover, instead of two to three games, we have four games to cover, as well as a lot more, as you can tell, college basketball games that are happening in the upcoming couple weeks. So that means my next podcast will be airing on Friday, no, Thursday, December 5th, the day before the URI PC game. I'm amped. I hope you are too. We'll get it all for you covered in two weeks if you come back and tune in. But we got a podcast to do right now, so let's get right into it. Rhode Island, on last Friday night, had their first test, well, not first test because Maryland, their first, you know, competitive test of the year against Alabama coming into the Ryan Center. And boy, Rhodey didn't disappoint. They ended up beating Bama by 14, 93. 93 to 79 was the final. Rhodey had up to a 22 point lead. They got down early, around six nothing, but they really capitalized off some uh, tur- a lot of turnovers by Alabama and a couple made three point baskets. Next thing you know, they're up 21 at the end of the first half. It was 17 at halftime. They got it up to 22 with around 16 minutes left. But Alabama's a great team, and they did not lay down and die. They fought all the way back to 81-76, but Rhodey ended on a 12-2 run, capitalized by Tyrese Martin. 360 dunk. The Ryan Center was going crazy. It was a great atmosphere for a great game between Nate Oates' squad from Alabama and David Cox's from Rhode Island. Player of the game, obviously, was fast for us. He had 22 points. Jeff Down added 21 of his own. Sir Langevin has 17 points and 6 assists, something you don't really see from the big man. And Jacob Toppin had 11 of his own. For Alabama, Kyra Lewis Jr., as I said before, great player, 21 points and 5 boards. Javion Davis, 11 points and 7 boards. And Herbert Jones added 17 points for the Crimson Tide. If you look at the team stats, Ryan shot an unbelievable 33 for 63, 52% from the field, while Alabama shot... Pretty well, 31 for 66, a 47% mark from field goal range. You or I went 6 for 16, or 37.5% from 3, while Alabama went a measly 5 for 22, a 22.7% mark from that area. You or I made 21 out of 26 free throws, and that's a, um, a theme you'll see in the upcoming game against Nichols as well. They're shooting a lot more free throws, and they're starting to make them knock on wood. They can keep this trend up. They shot 80% against Alabama, while 
they only made 12 out of their 16, shooting 75%. Rhode Island forced 22 turnovers on defense as Rhode Island only committed 12 of their own. That was a great game overall. Rhode Island capitalizing on fouls, making free throw shots. What roadie basketball, what roadie people and fans have been wanting. Foul shots and threes to fall. And I think that's the key to Rhode Island's success as well as creating turnovers, which is well important. But Rhodey couldn't just lay down and rest on their morals. They had to stand up for the Ryan Center. As on Tuesday night, they faced a formidable Nichols State team where Rhode Island, it wasn't looking good. I'll tell you that much. They're playing a little sloppy. They weren't playing together. They weren't hitting shots. But when stuff like that hits the fan, preparation really reveals who you really are. And I think that that this game against Nichols showed who you or I was, a tough, hard-nosed basketball team that when worse comes to worse, they will find ways to score. They will play scrappy defense. They'll play aggressive, and they will win basketball games, as they've shown against Nichols State Colonials. They ended up winning that one 70-65 in one where it was kind of sloppy, and they got down to seven. They got they were down by seven with eight minutes to go, but they stayed true. They stayed together. They got some points. They got some foul shots to go in. They played tough defense down the stretch, and they defeated Nickel State 70-65, ending on a 20-8 run, outscoring them by 12 in the last eight minutes. That's Russell. Unbelievable game, 24 points and six assists. He led Rhodey, and... He actually went down hard on his knee with like 10 minutes left in the first half. But he told the trainer a couple minutes later, I'm good. I need to win this game for my team, for the fans. And he went out there and had a heck of a game for Rhode Island, as it shows on the stat line. Cyril Langevin had 10 points of his own and 11 rebounds. Jermaine Harris, 10 points, no fouls. That could be a career high, a career low for him with fouls. As we've been seeing in the Alabama game, Nickel game, Nickel State game, Jermaine Harris has been showing up, which is very good. As you saw, remember last year in the West Virginia game, he had 12 points. He had like nine boards. He brought energy to the floor. He was big. He was a body, and he was just balling on defense and hitting some shots on offense. That three-pointer still is rimming out like it always does, but once he gets that to go, I feel like he can be a strong player. Of course, it takes a long time to develop a Big man in any conference, in any league, let's say Zion Williamson or Marvin Bagley. But most of these players are just tuned. So if you're like someone like Jermaine Harris, it's going to take some time. But come junior, senior season, he's going to have great years ahead of him. He's going to score many points, get many rebounds, like Cyril. Cyril was kind of shaky at first. He never knew what was going to happen his freshman, sophomore year. But last year when he got to lead a team, like, like last year's situation was, it was kind of a not the best situation to be in with a team that couldn't make shots. He led that team, and this year he looks to be a leader as well as an example. But back to the Nickel State game, Dexter McClanahan at 15 points. Worth Alatish led the Colonials with 17 points and 10 boards, and Andre Jones, who fouled out, which was pivotal for a round comeback. He had 16 points. He fouled out with three minutes left on a charge uh, going to the U4. Overall team stats, Rody shot 24-24. 57, a 42.1% mark from the field as Nickel State shot 28 for 67, which is 41.8% from the field. And Rudy shot a um, last year-esque 
18.8% from three, only making three of their 16 tries, while Nichols only made four of their 19, shooting 21% from the three-point line. But again, Rhodey, 19 for 23 from the free throw line. They have been improving that over the le over the year. Um, and this is something that they've struggled with. And if they can use this as a weapon, it could help them in the long run big time. If you're a fan of Verdun, uh basketball and you've looked at the past couple of years, free throws have killed this team. Even in the E.C. Matthews days, in the Jared Terrell days, free throws were a... One of those things where you didn't want to shoot them because you knew there was a good shot. We went one for two, even though we got good shooters out there. It just, you know, wouldn't go our way, and it would make a lot of fans frustrated. But Rodon committed 16 turnovers. It's a little high for the team, but only forced 15. I think that's one of their lowest of the year, only forcing 15 turnovers. And I think that's a key to winning many basketball games in the future is forcing turnovers, getting to the free throw line, and making shots. And, of course, their three-point shooting. As really they can attack anywhere from the field. They can get Cyril and Jermaine down low or they can pull it out with Fats and Tyrese and Jeff out on the arc. So after those two games, Rhodey's stats over the past four, they are 3-1 and one heading into the Jamaica Classic. Fats lead the team with 17.2 points a game with 5.5 assists and 3.8 steals. He's shooting only 27.8% from three, but he's not taking as much, if you can tell. He's taking a lot of jumpers um, inside the arc and a lot of layups he's making, especially against Nickel State. That layup package was on point. He was dotting them up like it was nothing behind the head. You know, Euro up and in. It was just beautiful basketball from him. The other night, Jeff Down averages 14 points a game and shoots 37.5% from three and shoots 42.3% from the field. Cyril is averaging 11 points a game with 12 rebounds, shooting only 37.8% from the field, which needs to improve if he wants to see those A-10 first-team honors. And Tyrese Martin leads up the pack with 10.5 points per game and 5.3 rebounds per game. But he is shooting a very efficient 43.8% from three. As he's just a tall figure, he just rises up above defenders and hits shots. Rhode Island's team stats, they're shooting 40.5% from the field this year, 30.9%, uh, like 3% three better than last year from three. And they're shooting 74.4% from the free throw line. And I, I did some research, and that's the best they've had it since like pre-EC Matthews, which is kind of insane. And they are forcing around 14 turnovers. Oh, they, they no, never mind. They are giving up only around 14 turnovers a game. So if they can keep that turnover count low and force a good amount of turnovers, I think they will be fine on the defensive side. Now we go into the upcoming schedule. As I told you before, I'm not going to be here next Thursday on Turkey Day, on Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there who celebrate it. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to kind of put two and one. URI has North Texas, LSU, and Manhattan, and I'm going to add in the West Virginia game, which I would have covered next Thursday, but I'm going to bring it into this episode. But we're going to start, nevertheless, with North Texas, led by Grant McCasland. They are two and three with losses to VCU, Arkansas, and Eastern Michigan, so solid losses on the schedule, quote-unquote quality losses. They shoot 45% from the field, which is very efficient, and a very good 37.6% from three, but they do struggle from the free throw line, shooting 63.5% and averaging 17.6 turnovers a game. They're led by Umoja Gibson, 
a sophomore guard. He averages 11.4 points and 38.5% from the three-point line, as well as Zachary Simmons, who averages around nine points as a forward and 7.2 rebounds for the Mean Green North Texas team. He's a junior, and I think this game's, like the Nichols game, um, underwhelmed. Not underwhelmed, but under expectated of being a quality game. Rhode Island is favored by the spread at, I think, 6.5, and, and I think that's a good mark. I think if Rhodey can win by 7-plus points against a solid North Texas team who's shown they have some offensive skills, maybe some a little sloppy with the turnovers, but nevertheless, they are a solid team, and they should not be overlooked as Rhodey's going to have their hands full with uh, Gibson and Simmons, that kind of one-two punch at guard and forward. I think Rhode Island can prevail, but they have to hit three-point shots to match the Mean Green North Texas team um, when they hit theirs because of obviously they're fairly good from that range. And also they have to be efficient from the field as they are 45% from the field. Rhodey's only 40%. So they can set that up and take advantage of the free-throw competition as North Texas shoots only 63%. If Rhode Island could shoot around, if they can do what they've been doing, shooting 20, making 20 free throws a game, that's going to help them a lot in the long run, not just in this game. Moving on, from fr that's that, that game is on Friday, CBS Sports Network, the 22nd of November at 4.30 Eastern Standard Time. Their next game is Sunday, the 24th, versus LSU. And an old coach they used to play, Will Wade, he actually was a coach when Rhode Island won the 8-10 championship against VCU back in 2017. Will Wade was the coach for them. They are 3-1 and one on the year for the Tigers. And their lone loss to VCU, 8-10 opponent, 84-82 in a barn burner in a game that was kind of... We talked about it earlier in the year, but um, a game that was kind of, you know, spread apart, kind of like the Alabama game, but it did come down to the wire and uh, VCU prevailed. They do play Utah State. Tomorrow, Friday the 22nd. So that's um, a good test to see how they fare against a solid team like Utah State. And their stat, team stats, they are very efficient from the field, shooting 49.6%, but shooting a measly 28% from three. And they do make their free throws unlike North Texas, shooting 72.9%. But they are sloppy on the offensive side, committing 20.5 turnovers a game. That's a heck ton if you want to win basketball games like LSU needs to especially in the game against Utah State where they need to keep the turnovers down. Skylar Maids, the senior guard, leads that team with 17 points. And Darius Days, Emmett Williams, and Trendon Waterford are all forwards that are pivotal to this team's success, as you can tell by they're not a big three-point percentage team. So you can see how they use those forwards as they all average 12.5 points a game. I think if you run with Jermaine and Sorrell, they're going to have their hands full, but they're going to have a tough time defending those players. If they can limit each of them to less than their average, I think Rhode Island will have a fine time against LSU. And definitely you have to make threes against an LSU team like they do this year where they not say they won't, but they might have a great game. But based on their trends from previous games, they won't have that three-point precision and respond um, to those three-point shots with their some threes of their own. So that's just what I'm thinking right now. Then they... Move on. They come back home from Jamaica, which is kind of odd. They don't really have a tournament format. It's kind of like a round robin. They returned on Wednesday the 27th, the day before Thanksgiving. They play Steve Massiello's Manhattan Jaspers. They are 2-1 with a loss to Stamford. 
Connecticut by 13, and they play Elon before they play the Rhodey Rams on Wednesday, the 27th. They shoot around 38% from the field and only 25% from three. Again, another team Rhodey faces where they struggle from the three-point line, which they can take advantage pretty easily if they hit a couple shots, get the Ryan Sitter crowd going. I think they can win that this game. But nevertheless, Manhattan shoots 68% from the free-throw stripe, and they only give up 13.3 turnovers, which means they protect the ball a lot, have long possessions, and find the best possible shot. They are led by Takai Green, guard. He has averaging 15 points and 7.3 rebounds, basically the whole team for the Jaspers, as most of their games have been lower, lower scoring than most. And then after that, they got to go on the road. They just get home from Jamaica, they get a rest, but nevertheless, they have to go on the road against this very strong West Virginia team, that return game in Morgantown. This could be a pivotal game for Rhode Island if they want to show their dominance in the A-10 conference and in even in college basketball. They play this game on December 1st, Sunday. Yeah, in Morgantown against Bob Huggins' team, who is 3-0. They did beat Pitt by 15, which will be on, uh, we'll go, not go over, but just preview that a little. Not, we'll go over it a little bit um, in a couple segments. But yeah, uh, they beat Pitt by 15, 68-53, and they play strong teams in Boston University and Northern Iowa coming up before they face the Rhode Island Rams. So they do have a little gut check period where they have some uh, solid mid-major teams they have to play. So we'll see how they fare in those before they um, come home and play Rhodey. They are efficient from the field, shooting 44.6% and 37.8% from the three-point line and 74.4% from the charity stripe and only average 13.7 turnovers a game. So everything we've gone over, all the great facets West Virginia has, they have a, a press, which didn't really bother URI last year, but maybe they found holes to that. Maybe they've um, corrected and just planned against Redon specifically, or they will plan against Redon specifically. But again, efficient, 44.6%. That's pretty good, especially with a three-point percentage of 37.8% and a free-throw percentage of 74.4%. So Redon's going to have... Um, to bring out the big guns and make some three-pointers, don't turn the ball over at all, and force a lot of turnovers as they're – I mean, Rhode going to turn the ball over. That's just known. Um, every team does that, especially against West Virginia, as they press a lot, uh, otherwise known as Press Virginia. Uh, I, I kind of like that name a lot. Um, they have great uniforms, by the way. I love the yellow and the blue uh, color combination. It's just beautiful. But nevertheless, they're going to have their hands full when they go to Morgantown and play a solid West Virginia team. If Rhode Island wants to win, they got to hit threes, play fast, and limit their turnovers and make West Virginia commit turnovers. You know, beat them at their own game, if you, if you know what I mean there. Um, so, yeah, they are led by Jermaine Haley, who averages 12.7 points a game and 8.7 rebounds a game as a guard, and Emmett Matthews Jr., who averages 12 points a game and 6 rebounds a game as a forward. That's Rodan's lookout for the next four games. Very pivotal stretch they have upcoming. Of course, you're going to look over a team like Manhattan because stat-wise, they're not that good. But you never know. They can come to the Ryan Center and bring all they have and you know release all the bullets um, in the gun. But North Texas team, that should not be overlooked. LSU, which has proven to be very good, only losing to 
um, VCU at VCU in the Seagull Center. It's packed there. Will Wade was getting taunted. It was amazing. It was a great sight to see, but stuff like that, that's going to empower an LSU team to go out and win a couple games in non-conference slate. And you have Manhattan, of course, where you can't really push over as they are, well, I'm not going to say solid, but decent, well, like low-tier mid-major team. That would be good for Redown to win. So, And then, of course, they go on the road against West Virginia, which is never hard how good they are. Like last year, they were like last in the Big 12, or not last, but like bottom four. But this year's not the same. They're projected to be an NCAA March Madness tournament team, and especially playing them at their home court in Morgantown, which is famous for the rough, uh, not rough, loud crowds and ruckus there. If Rudon brings it and smacks him in the mouth, that would just be amazing to see, especially it would be great for the program to be a Power 5 team on the road at their place in a non-conference game. So this means a little more than just beating a, a good team in a non-conference slate. A Power 5 team, which, you know, teams like the 8-10 don't really use um, schedule, and especially on the road in a loud place, famous for being loud in Morgantown to be a great home field advantage, a home court advantage for the Mountaineers. But if we're not going, that would be huge for the program and huge for the team and their um, non-conference resume. That's going to wrap it up for ro the roadie lookout, basically, what they've got with their upcoming opponents in their past couple games. We're going to go into the Power 5 in the A-10. Last week, we had some pretty big games. The night the podcast was released, we had a Seton Hall-Michigan State game. I think I might have went over this, but Michigan State prevailed 76-73 to in a close one. And then on Friday... Texas A&M was brutally beaten down in their home court by 30 to the Zags of Gonzaga, 79-49. And then a great game on Saturday was Tennessee versus number 20 Washington, where Tennessee, um, it was close all game, but Tennessee pulled away at the end, winning 75-62. And then on Sunday, we had a couple games. UConn in Florida at UConn, Dan Hurley's place. Oh, I hate saying. But UConn upset Florida, 62-59. to And then Wisconsin and Marquette face off on Sunday in a Wisconsin victory, 77-61. to And then on Friday night as well, Pitt lost to West Virginia by 15, as we talked about a little earlier, in a game that was kind of lopsided throughout the whole way, in a sense. And then TCU on Monday defeated Air Force by 11 and then the Georgia-Georgia Tech game on Wednesday night. If you missed that, you missed out on a good one. We had a back-and-forth rivalry game after, an, I think, Georgia had an eight-point lead going to halftime, but it was back-and-forth, and Georgia prevailed 82-78. to Now, looking into the eight-10 games that are pivotal for teams last week, of course, Rhode Island's games against Nichols and Bama, they took care of in two wins. UNC Wilmington traveled to Davidson and looked to be a good matchup, but obviously not as Davidson Destroyed them by 38, 87-49. And then St. Louis hosted number 12, Seton Hall. A game that thought would be much closer, but Seton Hall took care of the Billikens by 17. And then Davidson again up up here against Nevada. They defeated them at home, 91-71. to So that's last week's intriguing Power 5 and 8-10 games. But the next two weeks, we have a lot in store, especially for the preseason tournaments that are coming. So we're going to tell you the slate for the next two weeks of a high marquee games. But, of course, there are going to be more as we can't really well, – we can predict, but we can't really predict the matchups that can't occur. 
in these preseason tournaments. They end up being pretty good ones. So stay on the lookout for those on, um, of course, online, on Twitter, Instagram, whatever you use to get your college basketball news. But for the next two weeks, we have six games that show out to be great ones. Of course, tomorrow, LSU faces number 15 Utah State in the Jamaican Classic. Virginia Tech plays number three Michigan State on Monday, the 25th. Number 11 Oregon faces number 13 Seton Hall on Wednesday, the 27th. Tennessee, number 20, plays FSU on the 29th, the Friday of November. And then Michigan travels to play Louisville, who's number two in the nation at the KFC Yum Center on the 3rd of December, a Tuesday, in Ohio State, number 10 in the nation, pays a visit to number five, UNC, on the 4th of December, a Wednesday. And those are some marquee matchups for you for the Power Five. And just stay on the lookout for games because there will be some good ones. Um, you can count on that. And some 8-10 games over the next two weeks that are pivotal for these teams. We get to see George Mason in action against number 6 Maryland in College Park tomorrow, Friday the 22nd. A team that Rhode Island played early in the year. They lost by 18. But George Mason, they're shocking a lot of people, winning a lot of games. I think they're undefeated right now, 4-0, 5-0. They can test their luck, test their strength, test their might against Maryland. I don't think it's going to fare well for them, but I have that up there as a game to look out for. Wake Forest plays Davidson on the uh, Friday the 22nd tomorrow as well. And another uh, big game for mid-major, not just the A-10. Belmont plays St. Louis Saturday the 23rd of November. That's a big game. You've got Belmont, a strong mid-major team in St. Louis, of course, who's been playing very well over the past couple weeks. And then you have Georgia and Dayton on the 24th a Sunday, a couple days, as well as Richmond in Wisconsin. Richmond, another team that has some close wins against weak teams, but has a couple strong wins, um, especially that Vanderbilt win. That's going to carry them uh, with their non-conference resume throughout the whole year. And they play Wisconsin, see how they fare against a strong Badger team this year, who has a win over a Marquette team uh, starred by Marcus Howard. So it'll be a good game to see how Richmond fares against Wisconsin. Marquette Speaking of Marcus Howard and Marquette, they played Davidson on Thursday, Thanksgiving. That'd be a good game to check out. And then the next day, the Friday the 29th, VCU, who was ranked number 21 in the nation in the last AP poll, plays the Boilermakers of Purdue. That should be a strong matchup. Skipping a couple days ahead, the 4th of December, Wednesday, the day before our next podcast, South Carolina faces UMass in a game where UMass can also show their might. Like George Mason will against Maryland, which I think they'll get flattened. But UMass, their shocker team this year, they've led by Carl Pierre, Trey Mitchell, um, TJ Weeks, and they have uh, won a lot of, uh, not a lot, of, I think they're undefeated though. They are undefeated. They are 4 0 in non conference play, and they play South Carolina, who is a, I think, 4 1. Um, so yeah, that's going to do it. Oh, also, also, I forgot. To completely talk about Antoine Walker and Jeremy Shepard, Rhode Island Rams basketball players, that their waivers were denied. And now I am just don't know what the NCAA does for a living, basically, because some people get in, some people don't. I mean, it's so random. Jeremy Shepard, I feel I feel for him out for the whole year. 
and a, and a team that needs him from the three-point line. As that's where he specializes. If Verdon had him, if then ifs don't mean anything, but if Verdon had him, man, they would be so much stronger in depth-wise. But Verdon's Antoine Walker forward, who can really help out Jermaine and Cyril's playing time. Also with top and back there, the depth at that position will be huge. But he comes back the 21st against Western Kentucky. And I, I feel so much right now for Jeremy Shepard to come in, practice for the team, be a main part of function of the team, and just be denied a couple days before the starting game is just pitiful. But what can you do with the NCAA? They're just the corrupt... I don't know, rigs. Uh, and I'm not going to get into that. But nevertheless, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Verdon's got a big week ahead of them. A visit to Jamaica and Montego Bay. They play North Texas and LSU. They come home for a little bit for a good old matchup versus the Manhattan Jaspers. And then, of course, Verdon's game against West Virginia on the road in Morgantown. The 1st of December, West Virginia looking for revenge after they took the L to Rhodey in a game that, you know, gave him a little spark at the end of the non-conference slate back last year in Mohegan Sun. And then the next podcast comes out the 5th, where it's going to be about our most hated rival, Providence College and the Friars. We'll have an in-depth episode on URI and PC Think about what to do, maybe the history of the rivalry. Just It's going to be uh, very good research on my behalf. Just let you know that it's going to be a great episode, and I, I can't wait for it. But uh, just a reminder, no episode next Thursday, but stay tuned. In two Thursdays, we'll have the sixth episode of Ball with B Show, a special PC edition. But that's going to do it for today. And as always, roadie, roadie, roadie.